Good morning. Uh, great to see you all here and uh, just excited about continuing this series on the fruit of the Spirit. And um, just wanted to uh, say Isaac did a wonderful job last week of setting things up and, and just setting the table for us and giving us a background and a base uh, for understanding what this section of Scripture in Galatians is really dealing with concerning the Christian life. So thanks, Isaac, for that, and uh, we're going to continue that this morning. Uh, but this morning we're going to talk, talk about patience and kindness and goodness in Galatians 5. Um, and I'm just going to take some time and just get real simple with you and get real practical uh, concerning this passage because when I try to get profound and, and eloquent, I get myself in all kinds of trouble. And uh, that way this will help keep us uh, under 30 minutes and we can get to the picnic. Um, but what I want to do first of all before we get started is actually read from the passage. So uh, turn to Galatians chapter 5 and we'll get started. Galatians 5, and uh, on the screen I think is going to be the passage, but it's going to start in verse 16, I believe. I want to back up to verse 13, uh, so we're going to start before that. Uh, so Galatians 5, starting in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Walk by the Spirit uh, is this next section, and this is the one we want to focus on this morning. It says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Just ask that you would be glorified and that you would give us something from your word this morning, Father, that we really need, that we can use for our own spiritual growth, uh, that we can use to share with others, and that we could use to glorify you. So, Father, bless this time, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. There are few things I enjoy more in this world than eating fresh fruit. I don't know about you, but uh, especially when it's fresh and chilled in the fridge. Uh, it's so refreshing. In fact, one time when I was sick and couldn't eat much of anything, uh, one of the things that I really craved when I was getting better was just fruit. And that's all I ate for a little while. Well, it was like a week or so straight was just fruit. I just I couldn't get enough of it. Um, so what I want to do this morning is just ask you, and this is the interactive portion of, uh, of the message, so we're just going to kind of relax and, and have a little Bible study here. Um, and so I want to make this, this part interactive. Uh, if you had to describe the properties of fruit 
or maybe describe your favorite fruit, how would you describe it? Go. Anyone? Juicy. Somebody said that in the first service, too. That's the first thing that came to my mind, too. Uh, what else? Sweet. What? What was that? Okay. What else? What? Refreshing. What? Okay. Yep. Flavorful. What was that? Colorful. Lots of colors represented in fruit. Okay. Good. Yeah, exactly. Yummy. Um, crunchy, crisp, cool, all those things describe fruit. And, uh, but what I want you to think about right now is as we look at, at the fruit of the Spirit, how would you describe it? What benefits do we receive from it? You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Since we have this new life in Christ, believers have become citizens of heaven. Not citizens of the United States, not citizens of another country. Um, We look the same, but we're unlike citizens of the world. But there's one way that we can tell a citizen of heaven from a citizen of the world, and that's by the fruit produced in a believer's life, right? The fruit of the Spirit is the mark which shows that a person has started a new life and is a citizen of heaven. These are the signs of life, the fruit that's produced. Now, when we receive Christ as Savior, he gives us many things, but most importantly, the Holy Spirit. And, and what we receive from him is this thing called fruit, and it's not just a bunch of ingredients that make up the whole. It is the whole. It's singular. It's, it, it talks about fruit, and it has different elements, but it's used uh, to describe one thing. And this fruit is being cultivated in us more and more as we mature in Christ. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is the continual and indispensable application of God's work in us uh, that causes our growing, effectual, spiritual development and thus, in turn, assembles the elements we need to further build and live out our faith so we can effectively and graciously relate to others around us, right? This is God at work in us when it flows out of us and it encompasses everything from the presentation of the gospel by our lives, even without words, to how we're supposed to live in faith, from doctrine to duty, because we should never separate our faith and our thinking from our action. And this means we live out the gospel, Christ's regenerating power in our lives made real, and then being exhibited outward. It's not just talking about doing uh, a ministry or being in leadership or even hanging out together as Christians. It's something far more important that empowers all of that. It's the love and grace in our lives first transforming us so that we can then be used in the lives of others. And it should come without pretension. It should come without pride, um, manifesting the goodness and character of Christ as we become relevant and relatable and contagious for God and for his church. The cultivation of our fruitful faith becomes the practical aspect of living and loving, and it's the vehicle God uses to show that the gospel is real and that it resides in us and and resounds to those around us. 
We've been saved not of any effort or reason or, or part, except our part, by, except by faith. So um, now what do we do with it? We're to be transformed so that we can take it to the streets of our lives and how we live ourselves and, and how we live to others and, and how we live to our enemies as well. The fruit of the Spirit is God working through us. Turn to Romans chapter 12 real quick. Romans chapter 12 and starting in verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then jumping down to verse 9, uh, when he talks about the marks of a true Christian, he says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. So we must see that the essential Christian life requires the fruit of the Spirit. Our fruit shows us that the Christian life comes with responsibility to take the knowledge we've learned from his word, our faith, discipleship, prayer, devotional life, and then applying it while his love is working in us and through us. And then we're to ask, how am I supposed to live then at that point? What can I do now today or this week to implement the instructions given to me uh, with my relationship to Christ, to others, and to myself? So no matter where we are, whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, whatever scares us or whatever excites us, whether it's the mundane details of life or the opportunities that face us that we have at hand, his fruit must direct us and lead the way. His way paves the path and his fruit lights our way, giving us comfort, giving us knowledge, um, giving us hope, and giving us life. So consider this. As Christians, our primary attribute is faith, the atonement of Christ exhibited in us, and this is what we have in Christ, and this is what the Scripture has been talking about. Love, his loving devotion to us, and our response of obedience to his love. And we do this not out of legalism or mere obligation, um, but rather from gratitude and devotion. So this means that we're partakers of the divine nature as well. And we partake in Christ so we can live out our lives in Christ. We participate as children of God as we are conformed to the likeness of Christ. And we have the image of God in us. And we have the Holy Spirit, the divine nature living in us, guiding us and leading us, motivating us and fulfilling us. He gives us his actual presence as well as his precious promises. Knowing the promises of God will help us to escape the evils of this world. And uh, it's a tremendous way to take hold of our trust in him and grow our faith through our obedience. And in Romans chapter 8, um, if you want to turn there real quick, Romans chapter 8, he says this. In verses 9 through 11, he says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So we are partakers. Uh, The fruit of the Spirit is also a description of who we are to be in our entirety, in our whole being. This is the basic foundational character upon which the other characters rest. God's Spirit empowering and working in us summarizes the essence of character in general as applied to our entire lives as Christians. It encapsulates the work of God in us, basically. This is what builds a life, emulating God and building a church upon him where people will want to go. We all have the ability, the ability to be good. We all have the ability to be bad. And to take what Christ has given us to use it or not use it, to ignore it or even to pervert it somehow. This is not just about our reputation and ambassadorship in Christ. It's how we are to serve and to be if Christ has a hold on us and our church. And being a servant of Christ means we surrender all of what we are until he becomes more and we become less. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We do this because what we gain is so much more. It's peace. We have confidence and hope, especially his fruit that impacts us as well as those around us. This fruit in action comes from our submission to God, which produces love, kindness, gentleness, and all the rest. It happens when we're changed by what Christ has done in us. And so you have to ask yourself, am I doing this? And if not, why not? When we profess Christ as Lord or make a public testimony, we are declaring that Jesus Christ has a hold on our lives from today through eternity. And it's, it's one that transcends human understanding. We're no longer of this world, but belong to him as his child, saved and redeemed. And this is the start of our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not only as Savior, but as Lord of all. Lord over our lives, over our desires, over our needs, and over our plans. And this is imparted to us through our intimacy with him. Uh, Psalms talks about this intimacy. True intimacy with God is not found in our feelings. It's not found in our works or or entitlement or deeds or if you read some kind of creed. Um, But rather real true intimacy is our deep affection and knowledge of Christ that is continually assembled by our devotion and our commitment to him and practiced by our trust in him. This in turn demonstrates our willingness by moving forward in our journey of faith. And so this, uh, there's another aspect to receiving and applying Um, his power of fruit and spirit into our lives. We have the responsibility to practice it. The sad part is that perhaps the most neglected aspect 
of the faith journey for most Christians is that we don't practice it all the time. We're not great at it at the start, granted. Um, it's just like learning to drive or play a game. It takes time to master no matter, no matter how talented we are. Um, but we have to work at building our fruit orchard by learning, by absorbing, and then applying what we've learned. And in using it, we grow and we mature. And the price is not too high since Christ has already paid the price. He's actually the one who paid for it. And uh, we have no excuse not to grow and to serve him. So never consider that it's too difficult or that you're not gifted or worthy enough because the spirit in you is able to work in you. We need to keep in mind the eternal inheritance that we have in him. And we don't deserve it, yet we receive it by the grace of God. And our salvation is something that we can never obtain by our own efforts by our own power or wisdom or time. Um, it's purely and solely a gift that is given because Christ intercedes on our behalf. Jesus deals mercifully and gently with us, and a great attribute of his grace, one that we're called to extend to others as well. Um, it's an example of the stewardship of our faith and what, we've, what we have that always comes from somewhere other than our own making, we just build upon it and refine it. And God is the great maker and refiner. So we do it through him and in him. It's all about his character that resounds through time and, and history to today. And his character is what ripples with such a strong effect in our lives. It's needed and it's timeless. And it's, it can be exhibited in us. And the question is, does it flow from you? You know, if you want a safe and content place to know and worship God or to raise a family in a, in a hostile world, God's word and the character from our fruit of response is really needed today, and it's called for. And then when we finally get it and it sinks in, we can hand over our lives in utter surrender to him. And we're called to study the Bible more seriously and thoroughly to be biblically informed, uh, to use it not just a, as a reference and a guide but also for our inspiration and for life principles. How we, it's the roadmap by which we live our lives. The Bible points us to the one with whom we are to know, to receive, and to worship. And the Word of God is essential, but another important element is our trusting and resting in Christ. So all that said, what I'd like to do is take just a few moments and specifically look at three elements of the fruit that is mentioned in this passage and just unpack them a little bit. Uh, this morning we're focusing on patience, kindness, and goodness, and what we'll probably do and what we are going to do uh, is spend most of our time on patience because, fr frankly, I, I think that's one that impacts me the most and probably you as well. Um, so I'm going to ask the question, what is patience? Have you ever just thought about that? Uh, is it waiting in line at the grocery store without complaining, especially when you're in the express line and the limit is 15 items and the person in front of you has 30? And you know this because you counted them? <laughs> is it waiting in traffic without honking your horn? As if honking your horn is going to all of a sudden make a, a half-mile-long line of traffic that's at a complete stop magically start moving again. Um, is patience waiting for your wife to get ready for an important night out somewhere without tapping your feet or 
breathing big sighs so that she can hear them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I even duck when I say that because Marty's sitting right back there. Um, or maybe pacing back and forth in front of the bathroom door while she puts on her makeup. Um, instead of just coming right out and saying, would you please hurry up? Does that work, guys? No. <laughs> People talk a lot about our fast-paced culture today and uh, how folks nowadays don't like to wait for anything. For instance, why, why write a letter uh, or visit a friend when you can email them or send them a text message, LOL. Uh, the irony is that time-saving devices, rather than increasing our ability to enjoy life because of all the time we're saving, decreases our ability to enjoy life because they decrease our level of patience. Why doesn't this YouTube video download faster? Well, in all this, it makes, us, it makes it harder to understand the patience of God when patience really isn't a part of our lives anymore, which is sad. And it's clear that human patience has its limitations. When God provided the fruit of the Spirit, he gave us something that was divinely implanted into us by the Holy Spirit so that when the hard questions and circumstances come into our lives, we have divine patience to wait on God for the answers. How many of us have had to practice divine patience when, <laughs> when the car breaks down? I have had numerous cars break down, and let me tell you, it tests your patience. What am I going to do for another car? Um, how about when the medical, bio, uh, medical bills pile up, or, or maybe uh, if you have kids that are a little older, maybe teenagers, and they, they turn away from God for a time. What do you do? We wait on God for the answers because we don't have the answers. And when we're patient and wait on God, even though we don't understand and can't see the end of that particular trial in our life, He provides in His time and in ways that we can't see and that we could never have imagined. He's very creative that way. It teaches us to depend on him more, and it teaches us that we can have confidence in, in him even when we can't see the outcome. That's divine patience. But God, God's patience is so much different than ours, isn't it? But what he does is he lovingly chips away all the layers of doubt and unbelief that we've put on ourselves and grows divine character in, in us through the process. One of the things that I've really enjoyed over the last year is refinishing furniture. Um, there's just something very therapeutic about it uh, that I've really gravitated to somehow. I don't know, I do, it, I do it in the garage, so maybe it's just that I'm by myself and it's quiet out there. I don't know what it is, but it's very therapeutic. Uh, but for instance... Um, Years ago, when the kids were little, we were going to a little church in the area here, and one day, the area school district was emptying out one of their storage areas that contained a lot of old desks and, and old chairs that they weren't using anymore. They were outdated, so they didn't need them, so they wanted to donate them, and uh, they decided to call the church and see if we could use them. 
and uh, we used some of them. But what the church didn't use was offered to the congregation. So we grabbed an old student desk. It was kind of cool. Um, and that desk has been in our family for about 25 years now. It's been passed from child to child, and each one painted it whatever color they wanted. I think it started out white or blue, and then it turned pink at one point. And then this last time it was painted black, which is perfect for this illustration. Well, since the kids grew up, uh, they didn't have use for it anymore, so I decided to find a use for it uh, recently, and I I refinished it to uh, its original state. And uh, it really took some patience to strip off all those layers of paint that were applied over the years. But when it was complete, it was just absolutely beautiful. Um, It really is a picture of how God deals with us sometimes. And when we've added so many distractions to our lives, or even uh, including the blackness of sin, uh, to the point where God is almost hidden, what he does is he patiently strips away all the unnecessary layers that we've applied and restores us to how he wants to be. Sometimes it takes a while, and sometimes there's some pain involved in that process, but ultimately it's what's best for us. So here's a two-word definition for patience that would really help to describe uh, the proper response to every scenario that we may find ourselves in. It's just simply this, calmly waiting. Now, in calmly waiting, and I'm going to add calmly waiting on God, it's not just sitting back and doing nothing. Well, my car is broke down, so I'm going to wait and see what God does. Car is going to magically appear on my doorstep and it'll be solved. No, we're still living out our lives while we wait on God to move in His way. But do I need to do something? Yeah, we need to do things. We need to live out our lives. My car breaks down. I need to make a few calls and see if I can find another car. Now, God's going to lead me in that process, right? I don't know where it's leading, I don't know where God is going to lead me, but He's going to direct me to the right place if my trust is in Him. That's how he works. And um, as we go through patience and then transition into talking about kindness just for a minute and goodness, um, as far as kindness is concerned, it would be considered the vehicle through which Christ's love becomes real and tangible and knowable uh, through us. And it's the application of sincere love that manifests itself uh, practicing benevolence and a loving attitude towards others. Kindness is the visible essence of Christ living in us. I know a lot of kind people. I know a lot of unkind people. And it's, it's evident. Now, as far as goodness is concerned, it goes hand in hand with kindness. And it involves love that is engaging with those around, around us. And it, it shows Christ's righteousness and truth. And this is the fruit that makes people lovable to others. It involves integrity, honesty, compassion to others. Um, Basically, there's two kinds of goodness in the scriptures. The first is external, and it relates to things or people. It doesn't necessarily say anything about one's relationship to God, but goodness in the Bible is most clearly seen um, when it's related to God and his people. And this is the internal goodness that this passage in Galatians is talking about as part of the fruit of the Spirit. When it's authored by God and when it's planted in us, 
all three of these elements of the fruit of the Spirit work hand in hand, don't they? In fact, it's hard to imagine a person who is patient who is not, not also kind and good. Um, just like we did at the beginning by describing the properties of fruit, can you look at someone you know and see God's fruit in them? Is it evident to you? You know, can you see that, a, that someone is kind and good and, and that they're exhib- exhibiting patience in their life? Well, basically, what we'd like you to see during this series of the fruit of the Spirit is three things. Number one, this fruit is for us. God intended it for us. It's been implanted into, into us by the Holy Spirit uh, that we would grow in Christ So it's for us. Number two, it's for others. Uh, It's for others as it's practiced by us on a continual, consistent basis to help them. And it's also, uh, number three, it must be displayed by us so that God would be glorified in the eyes of those who need him who need his love, who need his grace, and his salvation. So it's for us, it's for others, and it's to glorify God. So let's practice and get better so that we may do all of those things and ultimately that God would be glorified. Let's pray together. Thanks, Father, for this time. Thank you that you have provided so many great and precious promises, all these gifts that you've given to us through the sacrifice of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for this section of Scripture that we're studying, that uh, it is evident that you are at work in our lives. So thank you for implanting these things in us. Help us to grow in them. Help us to grow in you. And help us to glorify you as those things happen. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.